Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast from San Jacinto Assembly of God in Amarillo, Texas. If you'd like to know more about our church, visit us online at www.sjag.church. Now here's this week's message. I know that many times when I get ready to preach the message, an enemy tries to fight me on Saturday night and, and bring a lot of doubt in. And I know usually that's when I'm supposed to be preaching the one I'm preaching. So this morning I, I'm confident that this is what the Lord has laid on my heart to preach. And as we read, it, it speaks in Second Chronicles chapter 29 is where we'll be starting. In verse 1 it says, Furthermore, King David said to all the assembly, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced, and the work is great, because the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, this morning we thank you and we praise you. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to be in your house this morning. Lord, so thankful for each person that's here in this room and those that are watching online today. And and Lord, we just pray, whether it be here or in the rooms, God, that you would just fill that place, Lord, with your presence. And Lord, as we come to this moment of preaching of the word, we pray, God, for the anointing. Lord, but we also pray that you'd open our hearts to it, Lord, and stir our hearts this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. The part there, it talks about, it says, furthermore, in chapter 29, verse 1, it starts out that verse speaking of furthermore. And so I just want to back this scripture up a little bit. David is in the process of getting his house in order. You know, when someone comes up to you, especially if God says, get your house in order, that means things are fixing to change in your life. And so David is at that point. David knows that his life is short. And he's getting his house in order before he goes on and, 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 and actually dies. He's about to end his 40-year reign as king over Israel. He spent seven years in Hebron as the king, and then they brought him together. And, and for the next 33 years, he would reign over all of Israel. He would be their king. It was a time for him to meet the one that would eventually come from his bloodline, bloodline, and his name is Jesus. Because, see, Jesus has always existed. And it was time for him to meet this one. He had won many battles, killing his tens of thousands, and he had failed in his walk on more than one occasion, but he humbled himself in the presence of God, and God would restore him. I mean, you know, that's amazing about what God does. And many times this man that has been known to be the man after God's own heart had failed and stumbled, but God would restore him. That brings hope to me. That brings peace into my mind. And not only that, he started as a shepherd boy, and he ended up as the king that was after God's own heart. I mean, you can start in low places, but end nice. Amen? And this is what David did. He has now turned his kingdom over to his son Solomon. And who is God's appointed successor. I believe with all my heart, God has people to succeed you and I. People that he's appointed and has ready for that task when we pass that baton. And here we have David passing that baton off to the younger generation, passing it on to the successor that God has chosen. And that one that he's chosen is his son Solomon. And so we find this moment, that's what's taking place. 
The time of this message or the time of this passage of Scripture is around 970 B.C. And David is at the ripe old age of 70, three scores and ten. Now in our day, we don't think 70 is that old. I'm thinking it's looking younger all the time. But here David is, the king of Israel, is fixing to pass on to glory at the age of 70 years old after reigning over Israel for 40 years. And 33 of them as he did the whole nation. But listen, his heart is still about doing the work of the Lord. If the Lord says, get your house in order, I don't know if I would be thinking about all that David was thinking about. But this is a man that was in relationship with God. It was a man that that God said, he's after my own heart. And he knows that his days are numbered and his days are few. And David is still concerned about the kingdom of God. Amazing. See, he had been told by God he could not build the temple. Because he had such much blood over his reign in his kingdom. We all remember the song where they sing, Saul killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. And God says, you won't build my temple because of the blood that is in your, you are a man of war. But your son Solomon will build that temple. But even at that, David did not get rejected, he did not get offended at what God told him. David still wanted to participate in building the temple. He still wanted to be part of this work that God was doing. And he wanted to be participating of that even after he was gone. He wanted to be saying, I have done something that's going to outlast me. I have done a work that's going to outlast me in God's kingdom. Can I tell you, we can't have the mindset of just doing what we need for today for ourselves, but we should also think about the future generations and the work that we do in God's kingdom to outlast us and be part of the next generation. Because, see, we don't know when Jesus is coming back. We don't know when He's going to sound that trumpet. There's been many prophets missing. But we do know this, he is coming back. And there needs to be a church going when he comes back. So in this passage, David reveals to us how we can be financially supportive to building God's temple. Or building God's kingdom. How we can be financially supportive to building God's kingdom even past our own life. I want to look at three things this morning and very quickly. The first thing I want us to understand about this passage of Scripture is we need to understand that we have been called to a great work. Every one of us in this house this morning and those that are watching online this morning, we have been called to a great work. The Scripture says here in 1 Chronicles 29 verse 1, it says, And the work is great. The work is great because the temple is not for man but for God. Listen, a great work that is for God and not man. 
Can I say this morning, we have never been working for man in this kingdom. We have been working for God. And David pointed out in this passage of Scripture that it is a great work and it's not for the mankind, but it is for God. This temple was for God's glory that he was talking about. It was a place to offer sacrifices and also for a place that his Shekinah glory would come down in the midst of them and there would be a place that people would come to and they would be prayed over, a place that they would bring their sacrifices for their sin, a place that there would be sacrifices made for their sin. This place that was going to be built was a great place. It was something that had never been built before, a place for God to have a place that he could call his place and his presence would come into. David understood that what he was doing at that moment of getting his house in order, he understood the great work that he was pouring into. The great cause of it. See, this would be like none other. This would be the very first temple other than the tabernacle that was in the wilderness to be built for the one true God. Can I tell you this morning, there's been many temples built for false gods. They're all over the place. There are even some in Jerusalem right now. There's one that sets on the holy place that is not for the real God. But David understood. David understood this. It was for God. In Matthew chapter 13, 31 and 32, it says, Another parable he spoke, he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like mustard seed, which is a man took and sowed in the field, which indeed is the least of all seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest. It is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in it. Listen to what it says there. And listen to what it says in Isaiah 9, verse 7, about this work that we're doing. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David over his kingdom to order and establish it with judgment and justice from time forward. And forever the seal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. When we think about great work, we think about great things. You know, we talk about how great our military is and all this. But when we truly think about who it is that we're working for, then the work that we're doing, there's no work greater than working for God's kingdom. And doing what God has called. That's that parable of the mustard seed. It says it outgrows everything. Can I tell you today, the only kingdom that's going to be left at the end of this business, at the end of this thing, is going to be God's kingdom. There's nothing that man can do against it. And guess what? God has said, you build it. That kingdom. He's asked us to build the kingdom. And to be part of that. There's not a greater work. We can build empires and we can build businesses. We can build incorporations. We can build things that seem like we can be part of the S&P 500. And I'm going to tell you, that's a, that's, that seems tremendously great for man. But there's nothing greater than the work that we do for God. Nothing. Nothing greater than those works. We've been given the work of building His kingdom. And before the cross... All those before the cross did not have the same work that you and I have and that we have been assigned to. See, our mindset must not be moved from this task that God has given us. We're all about building the kingdom. See, given into a church is as scriptural as calling upon His name for salvation. Giving into a church is just as scriptural 
as calling upon His name for salvation because it's part of giving. David would never step into the temple that he is fixing to give all these things for, but yet he wanted to sow into the future. A missionary returned to his home city where he announced a collection for foreign missions. And a good friend said to him, Hey, very well, Andrew, seeing it, it is you, I'll give $500. And the missionary said, No, said the missionary. I cannot take the money since you give it, seeing it is me. His friend saw the point and says, You are right, Andrew. Here's $1,000. Seeing it is for the Lord Jesus and not for you. The mindset, I think, that we can get from David when it comes to being generous and giving in the church body is the fact that we understand the work that we have is God's work. And the work that we're doing is a great work. There's no greater work on planet Earth than the church and what the church is doing. That moment when we start to realize how this is. David understood it and he did not compromise. Even at the end of his walk, he still gave into the kingdom. This work is greater than anything else on planet earth, for it is for God and our Lord and Savior. Another thing I want to point out this morning, our giving can be contagious. Now, we're living in a world that we understand what it is to be contagious. Right? I seen a deal just the other day on, on the, the, the news and it's talking about people are upset because people are coming to work coughing and, and hacking. You know how it is. You go to a restaurant and someone sitting next to you is just coughing and all. You're going, stand back. COVID has made us very cautious because we understand what it is to be contagious. And, and so we understand that contagious is something that we need even in our own spiritual life. And, and here we can find that our giving can be contagious. And the first part that we lead it, leaders to leaders. Listen to what David did in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 2. He says, now for the house of my God I have prepared. This wasn't something that he just gave. He, he thought about what he was doing. He put things to the side and he says, for my house I'm giving this. Or for God's house. He says, gold for things to be made of gold, silver for things of silver, bronze for things of bronze, iron for things of iron, wood for things of wood, oxy stones and, and stones to be set, glistening stones and various colors, all kinds of precious stones and marble slabs in abundance. He says, I thought about this. I realize this is a great work. I've been putting things to the side in order that I can be part of this great work of God. He thought about it. And I tell you, David was in the position of king, yet he chose to give to the work of God. He not only gave what he had been setting aside from the kingdom he reigned over, but he also gave from his personal treasury. If you read on down into the scripture, he gave more than what he should. David was an example to leaders. Can I tell you this morning, I believe that every pastor should be a giver i got three amens. I believe that every pastor should be a giver. Y'all act like I'm preaching about money or something this morning. Every pastor should be a giver. I believe that with all my heart. Rob and I have given into the projects of this church for the last 16 years. We also tithe 10% 
of any of money that we have received outside of our pastoral wages. And you say, why do you do that? Because it is required as a pastor that I send my tithe of what I make preaching to the district office to support the district office. When I first got here, Chris Wiley was our secretary. I went into our office and I said, let me tell you something, Chris, I want you to understand because I don't want you to think that I'm not a giver. I want you to know that my main tithe has to go to the district office. But let me tell you, everything that we get other than what we get on our salary here, you'll see us giving into this church. And not only that, but you'll see us giving offerings into this church. Why did I do that? Because I don't want to stand behind a pulpit and say, come down, ushers, we're going to collect a tithe and offering and me and my wife not give a thing. I'm saying leaders should also be givers. Chris Wiley left. I had the same conversation with Nancy Lindsay. When Nancy Lindsay left, I had the same conversation with Debbie Schooling. And when Debbie Schooling quit and left us and came back, <laughs> I had the same conversation with Stephanie Williams. Why? Because I want to, them to understand that I will be a giver as a leader because I believe in what I do and I believe that giving is something God has asked us to do. I believe leaders, all leaders are to be givers. How can I expect God to bless an offering when I'm not where I need to be with it? Leaders should be that example. We have given into projects over these years and, and we have just been here and we are, and we've given to Sunday school. Let me say something about, I know our Sunday school superintendent's fixing to start a competition on the offering. My wife gives it for me and her both in her Sunday school class, so I should get half of the credit for that. I'm just saying today that we should be givers. Why? Why? Let's go back to point one. Because of the great work. And because it's for God. And for Him. David's giving inspired his leaders. We find in verse 6, in that same chapter, then the leaders of the Father's house, leaders of the tribes of Israel, the captains of thousands and hundreds, with the officers over the king's works, offered willingly... All these leaders were moved by David's speech and what David was giving, and then they all gave. I have literally, listen, I have literally sat in district meetings, COVID, when COVID hit, we at the West Texas District went in ahead and had our annual district celebration. Most of them canceled. You, we, you had to wear a little dot. Are you a hugger or are you not a hugger? I got so confused, I just hugged everybody. Do you want anybody close to you? But we had one of the most giving, giving weeks that we've ever had in the West Texas district. And it all started because some leader stood up and said, I'm going to give this much. And another one says, I'll give 5000 And another says, we'll give 10000 We had more money coming to missions in a time that the devil was trying to close the door. I'm saying, giving is contagious. Giving is contagious. I walked away from that meeting and I thought, how in the world is Sandy Center going to pay what I just said? <laughs> I'm saying it's contagious and it's contagious for God's kingdom and it starts with the leaders and all the way down. 
These leaders, listen to what these leaders under David gave. They gave 5,000 talents, which was 188 tons of gold. Wouldn't you like to have that today on today's market? They gave 10,000 gold coins, 40,000 talents or 675 tons of silver, 100,000 talents of, or 3,750 tons of iron. Why? Because their leader gave, and then they gave. Leaders should be givers, whether you sit on the church board or whether you teach a Sunday school class or you're head of a department, you need to be a giver. Amen. And then leaders inspired to who, the whosoever or whoever. Listen in verse 9, it says, Then the people rejoiced, for they had offered willingly, because with a loyal heart they had offered willingly to the Lord, and King David also rejoiced. There's something about a giving spirit that makes you happy. It makes you rejoice. When you're where you need to be with God, and understand it is for Him, and it's for a great work, and when you are inspired to give, there's something that you can rejoice about when you hear it. Because God inspired it. See, the giving was contagious all the way from David to the people. And they gave willingly. I, I remember back when I was growing up that the pastor would have to take like five offerings because they didn't have enough money to pay the utility bills. And he'd take one that counts says, we need more. And they'd take another. And then they'd take another. My friend, when God inspires us, I believe God takes care of it. Amen. I believe God can meet the needs. God is able to do so. How many of you like to sit in a service where would they take five or tens? No. Okay. It's contagious. I can tell you a story of a man. He came up to me one day and he told me, he says, you know where I learned how to tithe and where I learned how to give? And I said, no, I don't, brother. Where'd you learn that? He says, you know, I was helping so-and-so count offering and every week I would see a check come in from, from him and it would be a, a amount and, and, and I couldn't believe someone would give that much money into the church body every week. And he says, finally I asked that guy and he says, why do you, why do, you do that? And he says, I'm going to tell you something. Everything I got, God has blessed me with it and I'm just going to be able to give what I, I give back. And he says, you know, ever since that moment... From that moment of seeing how that leader gave in that church body, I, he says, I have been a tither and one that gives an offering. I can tell you one day, I was wanting to build a parking lot at a place I was pastoring. And, and, and he says, he came up, this guy that learned from another leader, he came up and he said this, he says, how much do you think that parking lot's going to cost? And I said, it's going to be like so much money. And he says, you know what, I want to pay for half of that parking lot. And we got the parking lot done at that church and it looked so nice. You know what he did? He came up to me and he says, you know what? I'm going to pay for the other half of that parking lot. And I went, hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. What happened? He was inspired by a leader of that church. And the story doesn't stop there. Then there was another guy that he was counting offering with, the, the, the one that got inspired. And that guy became one of the good tithers of the church. Why? Because I'm telling you, giving is contagious. Giving with the right spirit is contagious. And it happens in our lives. Next thing, I want you to understand this. And David understood this. What is, what is ours is really his. 
What is ours is really his. You know, I, I've heard an old saying about marriage. And he goes something like this. I'm really thinking, should I say this? <laughs> the old saying is this. What is mine is hers, and what is hers is hers. <laughs> now, how many of you have ever heard that saying? <laughs> Some guys are raising their hand. They're going to pay for that. <laughs> but in the concept of what we have, that is so true. What is mine is his, and what is his is his. When we truly think about the one we serve, his name is God. When we really think about all that we have, it doesn't belong to us. It belongs to Him. When we really get that concept of this, see in Psalms 24.1 it says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it is His. The world and all of His people, all people belong to Him. That's why you really need to be cautious when you start picking on one of His children. All is His. Everything. You know what the Lord owns? He owns my 2016 GMC pickup. He's got a jewel in that. He owns my Jeep that I own. He owns my wife's car. I need to send a message. They're all over 100,000 miles. It's time that we get some new ones. But I'm just saying today the house, although it's paid off, I don't own it. God owns it. Come on, everything. I can open my app to Everola National Bank and look at my account and think, my Lord, my Lord, He owns every bit of that. When we start thinking about what God owns, listen, it's a concept that it's hard to believe. It's hard for the world to get a hold of because, see, they're going to try to go to that grave with all their stuff claiming it's theirs, but they're not going to have a U-Haul. They're just going to have a little six-foot place down in the ground and can't get all the stuff in it. Everything belongs to the Lord. Listen to what David said. Verse 14, But who am I and who are my people? Get a hold of what he's saying here. That we should be able to offer so willingly as this, for all things come from you, and of your own we have given you. All things come from you, and of your own we have given to you. What is mine is his, and what is his is his. Verse 16, O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have prepared to build your house for your holy name is from your hand, and it is all your own. What a concept of material things. What a concept of our checking accounts and bank accounts, of how they belong to him. I'm giving you something that's powerful today. Once, you, once we get to that revelation of that understanding of it, then there's some freedom that happens with us. If he owns everything, he asks me to give some of this thing, I'll guarantee you he's going to bring something back into you. He owns it all. He is the, 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 the one that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything. David understood this by, 
by this he had no problem of giving back to God that was already his. He had no problem giving all the gold, the silver, the iron, because it was already God's. Especially to help do His will on this earth. Especially to help forward the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He had no problem giving back what God had asked Him to give. And I tell you this morning, the same is for you and I. Understanding this will give us freedom to give as God has asked. When we start to realize all that we have belongs to God. Can I tell you this morning, I don't tithe because some preacher told me I was cursed if I didn't. And I believe you can preach that and get by with it. But that's not the reason I tithe. I didn't even hear that message before I started tithing. And I didn't get saved no more than just because some preacher said if I didn't get saved, I'm going to hell. I got saved because I heard there was a Savior that came and died for me and washed my sin away if I would just receive Him as my Lord and Savior. And I don't tithe. The reason I tithe is this because I get it. I understand it. I get the principle that God has asked us to be part of the building of His kingdom. I get the principle that everything I have belongs to Him. And sometimes He asks us to give part of that to Him. See, if I argue about giving, and believe me, as a preacher, I've had plenty of people argue with me about giving. That's the first thing people think, that the preacher is going to come and want your money. Well, I'm not that way. My dad has had preachers showed up on his back porch wanting his tithe. You know what that did for my dad? He said, I ain't going back. That's not what it's about. See, the reason we do this, we don't shame people. I don't shame people. I'm not shamed into giving. I give because God has revealed something to me. And I have understanding about the kingdom of God and the kingdom's principles. See, he doesn't ask for all, but some. Amen? He doesn't ask for all that you got, but some. If he asks for all that you got, then get ready, he'll bring some back, right? Who would like to have $100 this morning? Y'all all must be wealthy. <laughs> Who would like to have $100? Now I got more hands. Robert, you want $100 this morning? Come down here for a minute. Now I got $100 in my hand. It's not church money. Not Sunday school money. My money, my birthday, or my Christmas money. Now I got, I want to give you, there's $100 here. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 5, 100.
I want to I want to give you this hundred, but I want to I want to require something from you. If I give you this hundred, would you give me fifteen dollars back? Absolutely. What'd you say? Absolutely. Absolutely. Without a thought, he says, if I give him this hundred, he's gonna give me fifteen dollars back. Ten. 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 5, and 100. There it is. He's a man of his word. He could have took that, but he had all y'all witnessing. <laughs> 10, $15 back. I don't want you to just think. I want you to understand why the 10 and 15. Hold it. You gave me 25 back. Thanks. Right. No, go ahead. Yeah, I don't need the 20. I need it. <laughs> but he made a choice here. Willingly. I put $100 in his hand and he gave me 15 bucks back. I don't want you to just think, well, what, why do I do that? Just because I ask you? No. I want you to understand a little bit about where that $10 is going to go. 10 is a tenth. 10% of a $100 bill is $10. I want you to understand what this 10 is going to do in this church. This 10 is going to help pay my salary, his salary full-time. It's going to help pay our youth pastor, part-time youth pastor. It's going to help pay for our nursery worker, Casey. She gets paid to watch the kids back there. It's going to help pay for Stephanie's part-time salary. It's going to help pay for uh, uh, Casey taking care of the church. The reason the church is so clean and nice is because Casey cleans this church twice a week. It's going to help do that. Not only that, but it's going to go and it's going to help to pay our $21,000. $21,000 insurance policy this year for this building. It's going to help pay for the $2,000 utility bills that we have. It's going to go and it's going to help pay for the media shout, everything that we have is going to help pay for this, uh, the heaters and everything that we have. This $10 is going to go that way. I want you to understand, Robert, where that 10 bucks go. It's going to touch people's lives. And what's left of it, whatever's left of this little, it's going to go in the food pantry and help a little bit there. It's going to help Care Cafe. And it's going to help a needy person when they come by and they need some money. This $10. See, oftentimes when we tithe, we don't understand where the 10 goes. And it does go somewhere. You say, well, that's into this church. Let me tell you what this church does because if you remember my series back in January, we build, we edify, we make disciples, and we send people out to do ministry. It's part of His kingdom. It's growing. That 10 bucks, it doesn't look like much, but that's what it's going to do. It's going to be split so many ways. Now you ask about the five. What is that? That's an offering. An offering. This goes in. You know, you put an offering into the missions, you know where it's going to be? It's going to go into missions. That's beyond the tithe. $5 bill. You, you put an offering in. A while back, we had people send money in to help pay for the parking lot. You know where that went? That went to pay for the parking lot. We just did $110,000 in the sanctuary last year. Everything that was dedicated to this sanctuary went into this sanctuary. A little bit of this. We have some of this left. We also help pay for those projects for when the, the heater or the air conditioner went out over at the Family Life Center. $4,000 for that little bitty unit out on the right outside. I'm just saying today, sometimes we say, why tithe? I don't understand why, what happens to that tent. That pastor, he got a new car. He's taking my 10%, that $10, and he went out and bought a new car. That's not what it is. You know what I've learned? I want you to know what I've learned is how to manage my money. 
and how to get a vehicle if I need a vehicle. But I'm saying today, God puts things into our hands. And He says, just give me a little bit of it back. Give me the ten. And maybe you'll be a little bit in the offering too. Thank you, brother. Now here's the whole. God bless you. Amen. Give Him a round. That's giving. There's so much preaching. And I know that the, the enemy, see, I don't really like preaching about giving, but I do you no justice if I don't preach a little bit about giving. Because the Word of God speaks of the fact of sowing and reaping. There are those that give little and they reap little. But there are those that give abundance and they reap abundance. And so it is part of the kingdom principle. And it is part of what we do. In Matthew 25, 21, which parallels with the scripture that uh, Brother uh, Gunner uh, spoke of this morning, it says, his, And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant, for you were faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Who would agree with me this morning? The things that we, are, are, that we have in our, in our possession this morning are very little compared to what glory is. And what we get the mindset of just giving it in, David understood everything that he gave, thousands and thousands of dollars worth, millions of dollars worth, he said that was nothing literally compared to pouring it into the future generation, into the God's work, that great work, because he knew he was fixing to meet the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So in that concept, he gave. So when we get a hold of it, it makes a difference. David left a legacy of giving. They probably said, well, David gave that. They didn't put a plaque on it, but David gave it. David gave a legacy in front of. A legacy is something that will live on. Tanya's doing a legacy with her family on Thursday night. That'll live on of having family night. Legacies live on. And David's giving would live on to generation after generations. And he took that which God had given him and he gave it back into God's kingdom. See, it's a matter of the heart. And what he gave touched many people. Can I tell you this morning... We are in a facility this morning that other generations have poured into. And there's some of those older ones that are in the sanctuary this morning that have poured tithe and offering into this place. When I got here, this sanctuary, everything, everything in the property, the Family Life Center, all of it was paid off. Why? Because people got it. They understood it. They got the principle. It's a great work. Brother Burkhalter, there's no telling how much he gave and sweat and labor and money into this house. And guess what? Here we are in 2024, sitting in a place that he paid forward. Come on, there's a lot of people that have paid forward and sometimes we're so quick to try to kick them out of their sanctuary. How would you like if somebody came into your house and tried to kick you out after you paid for it? 
But at the same time, it's all right to have somebody give you some fresh ideals. <laughs> the thing is what I'm saying today is what we enjoy is because somebody got it. Somebody got a hold of it. Some generations. I think about it. I can walk around and I see John Cloy. And some of you don't know who he is. Some, if we mention some of these names, some of you have no idea. But there are people that have poured in, people that gave in. And one day, some of us will be gone. And maybe there'll be some pastor send up and say, the Pattersons, the Blacks, Hesworths, Irvins, Ewings, all of them poured in. What they do? They owned the great work that God's doing. They got a hold of it, and they became part of them. I thank God for that this morning. Amen. I want to ask you this morning. Everybody stand. I know I'm about out of time. I I moved that clock from there to up there, and I keep forgetting where I moved it to. <laughs> I want to challenge you this morning. Perhaps you have not got into the principle and the concept. I didn't want to preach a message that would say, hey, you either give or you're not getting out of the building. <laughs> I want it to be that you have an understanding of what God's kingdom is about and the responsibility that we have in God's kingdom of growing, growing His church. Touching lives, not just lives across the ocean or other places, lives right here in this neighborhood that we can touch them. Amen? David left a legacy. People in times past of this church left a legacy of giving. I'm going to ask you today how about you? Are you going to leave a legacy? A legacy of giving into God's kingdom. Will there be something that, that's going to go and, and go forward even after you breathe your last breath? That God would say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been responsible with little. I will give you much. That's God. Amen? That's God. Amen. Lord, today, we thank You. Lord, we thank You for everything that You have blessed us with. Lord, there are those that are watching online and in this room right here, God. Lord, that we have different amounts of money. We have different amounts of blessings. And, but Lord, whatever it is that You've called us to be a steward over, may we be found a good steward. And Lord, may we realize that You don't ask for all, but God, You do ask for some. And Lord, may we be faithful. I pray this morning, if there's any God watching online or any in this room this morning that have not got the concept, I pray that they will get it and help them to realize the great work that you've called us to do. And Lord, we can never go wrong giving into your kingdom.